Hey there, and welcome to another Your Own Pay Podcast episode. Hope you're having an awesome Wednesday. Now, today, as you might know from the format change, the podcast is chatting with passionate, professional, blind individuals. But the problem is, I, I'll be honest with you, the guy we're chatting with today, I'm not 100% sure if he's blind. Shh, don't tell him that. Doug is an amazing individual who used to work for the CDC, Center for Disease Control, and realized that there were some interesting accessibility hurdles that people had to jump through before they could accomplish what they wanted to accomplish online. And this is why he started what's called the Doorman Project. And if you check the show notes for today's episode, you'll be able to get links to the Doorman Project and more information about what they're up to. But you're going to love today's episode, especially if you're blind or visually impaired and or you have other disabilities that prevent you from successfully navigating the web or interacting with applications. I got to throw this in there too. And it goes back to an episode I did a couple of weeks ago. I'll find it and link to it in the show notes. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I advised you that I can show you how I connected with over a hundred people personally on LinkedIn. And personally means I added their first name to the message and I sent them out a a message and introduced them to the podcast and introduced them to myself and what I do. Now, the problem with that is twofold. Number one, I ended up getting a couple of people replying to me and I didn't even realize it, so now I need to go back and clean that up. But the other aspect of it is, is I connected with Doug and interviewed him about the work he's working on with the Doorman Project. So, that being said, I wanted to throw that out there to you guys. It is possible to drive traffic from LinkedIn back to your main business property. Whether that be podcasting or bring traffic back to your blog or your YouTube channel or your Twitter account. Just get out there. Step out of your comfort zone and make it happen. With that, let's get into it. And you're going to love today's interview. Don't forget, you're on pay.com slash cast for exclusive content. Helping pave your way from your home to your own pay. Using motivation, inspiration, and education. It's today's edition of the Your Own Pay Podcast. And before we begin, we want to hear from you. Reach out, hit us up, and follow PayOne on Twitter. That's at PayOne. Now, as promised, here's Michael Babcock with today's episode. Make some noise. I'm a huge part of my life. I'm super excited. This is amazing right here. Your Own Pay Podcast starts now. Hey everyone and welcome to another Your Own Pay podcast with passionate professional blind individuals. This is your host Michael and as you know on Wednesdays we come to you and bring you new people to help inspire and motivate you to get up and do something and today I'm joined by Douglas. Doug, as people know, we've been bringing other entrepreneurs and and small business owners out to introduce them to the listeners of the Your Own Pay podcast. And Doug, I'd like you to take a quick moment, a minute or two, and introduce yourself to the podcast and let people know who you are and what you do. Sure, sure. So um, thank you for your time today and uh, definitely glad to help out anybody out there, your listeners, whatever. Um, my name is Douglas Liu. I am a retired federal um, service worker. Uh, I retired from the Centers for Disease Control, and during my career, I was instrumental in the building of the website cdc.gov and all the internet properties that are associated with it. Um, 
my main topic of interest was uh, developing all of our web properties to be accessible to people with disabilities. Um, so when I retired in 2012, I started looking at the need for the private sector, and I have uh, recently developed a service uh, called the Doorman Project that will help disabled Americans and veterans navigate the web without uh, any of the barriers that currently exist. And hopefully we can uh, start breaking down the um, disability digital divide that exists today. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And I'm excited to hear more about the Doorman Project. And I'm sure the listeners are as well. Now, a retiree of the CDC and uh, someone who's, who's helped to make all of the CDC web properties accessible, I'm sure that meant you had a lot of engagement with uh, people primarily the, the focus of this podcast is working with people with visual impairments, but obviously visual impairments are not the only disability uh, out there. However, for the purpose of this podcast, we'll, we'll focus on there. So did you, did you end up working with a lot of blind or visually impaired individuals uh, to make those properties more accessible? Absolutely. I reached out to quite a few of the lighthouse organizations, the American Federation of the Blind, the National uh, Institute for the Blind. Uh, so yes, I, I've worked with uh, several in the individuals from lots of different organizations, and I've worked with uh, you know different professionals in all aspects as far as accessibility, um, not just limited to uh, you know the blind or visually impaired, but also you know uh, national. Uh, association of the deaf etc awesome and and it's great to have input from different organizations for sure now the primary reason why we connected was because of the dormant project if i remember right i reached out to you via linkedin because we've been connected on linkedin for a while and i'm like hey why did we connect because i wanted to find out why why a lot of people connected with me i've got 1900 connections over on linkedin and i i don't know half of them so uh when you wrote me back back in september and said that you were interested and chatting with me more about sharing the message about the Dorman Project on the podcast, I'm like, hey, I gotta, I gotta definitely jump out there. So, can you go in more detail and let people know what exactly is the Dorman Project? Yeah, so the Dorman Project actually has uh, three specific uh, visions in place. Uh, the first and foremost was to provide a free service so any American with a disability can connect with us to get uh, free help. Anytime they encounter a barrier that's preventing them from whatever tasks they set out to accomplish while surfing on the Internet, that might be filling out an employment application, reading a PDF file, or something as simple as navigation or a focus trap uh, to where their screen reader wasn't uh, reading properly or it got stuck somewhere within the website. And so we want to help those people um, overcome those barriers and report the, the problems to the site owners um, versus going through uh, a legal process of trying to uh, sue a company just to try and make them uh, engage in uh, web accessibility. We think uh, if we stayed in a more positive manner that they actually had a disabled person come to use our site and had a problem and that person reported it, 
the more likely uh, the company would, you know, start addressing it and start thinking about it for the first time. Um, what I found in the private sector is that 95% of the sites out there are non-compliant and extremely hard or frustrating uh, for people with disabilities to navigate. And so, uh, you know, obviously you can't sue everybody, so uh, we wanted to provide a service to actually help people versus wait until everybody tries to uh, make their sites accessible, which would, um, in reality, never happen. Uh, the second vision would be to employ uh, our help desk staff using specifically disabled veterans. Um, we have a special place uh, in our heart for disabled veterans. Many of our staff members have sons and daughters in the Army or Navy or the Armed Forces right now. And we have always reached out to try and give uh, uh, disabled veterans a leg up and providing them a, a new career mission and, and new hope for their uh, their second career. Uh, so that's number two. And then number three, uh, because the laws are changing now in the private sector and we expect the um, Americans with Disability Act to actually start implementing some new laws regarding accessibility in the private sector, Obviously, companies are going to have to find ways to provide alternative, effective communication um, for their websites and mobile properties. So we try to uh, bundle up all these services to provide a win-win situation for all of the stakeholders um, so they could actually get this job done of making websites more accessible and helping in actually following the intent of the ADA um, and giving them an opportunity to mar market their products and services directly to, uh, you know, the disabled community in, in return for supporting the Doorman Project and, and paying, for, uh, paying for that service to exist through sponsorship. Wow, it sounds like you guys have quite a few initiatives that are in the works and, and that are going to help transform the lives of a lot of people who might be, who might be disabled. Now, two, two questions arose from the, the explanation of the Doorman Project, and, and, and I guess three, kind of. We'll, we'll mix two of them together. Why Doorman, and who is we? So the Doorman Project initially was funded um, by a, uh, a private sector company called Expansion, and uh, basically they recruited me to help them with their customers make their websites accessible because uh, some of them fell into lawsuits and settlement agreements, and so they needed uh, a subject matter expert in accessibility, so they reached out to me, and I said, yes, but under one condition, I want funding for this project so I can turn it from vision into reality. And so they agreed, and we have been working on uh, on that. And uh, happy to announce that I will be uh, releasing the project uh, to to the uh, to the world on November 18th at the Accessing Higher Grounds Conference in Colorado this month. 
Awesome. That's exciting. That's exciting. And uh, is we just you and the group of individuals who funded the project, or is it a certain group of other disabled individuals that's put it together? Actually, the first thing I did for the company was to build them a center of excellence around accessibility and IT. Uh, so we have um, about 50 or 60 employees now that work directly under me um, that handle all phases of accessibility from assessments to remediation to ongoing compliance maintenance. Um, from that, you know, and my expertise in the area, uh, I have been actually working on this vision for some 10 years now. Wow. Uh, so I had pretty, pretty much my ideas all laid out and, um, and documented for quite some time. So it was just a matter of actually building the technology that would meet the Department of Justice's uh, criteria for um, effective communication and, and the actual definition of that. Right there for the listeners is, is definite motivation. And uh, as Doug has made it clear, you know, you can't just give up on your dream and what you want to happen right after things don't go your way. Sometimes it takes a little while, and, and Doug's been involved in this project for a decade, so definitely inspiring to hear that. Now, did one specific thing motivate you to create this? Uh, maybe you ran into dis disability challenges yourself, or do you have a family member, or is this just something you observed uh, happening around you? So I guess it would start um, back in the early days, 1995, so I'm dating myself when I first uh, <laughs> built uh, cdc.gov. Uh, obviously, the preeminent healthcare uh, website on the internet today, we immediately started getting uh, complaints from the uh, disabled community about problems that they were having, uh, navigating our website, reading the content, um, all sorts of problems. So I was made aware of all the problems early on. And um, I became the first Section 508 coordinator for the agency and for HHS to actually um, deal with building governance around this problem and um, trying to uh, build technical solutions to this technical problem. So over the years of my experience, um, and if we fast forward to today, um, basically the law has been in place that it's mandated federal government make their websites accessible since 1998. Uh, right. And with unlimited funds and unlimited um, really expertise, the federal government itself is still only about 80% compliant. Um, so that kind of led me and validated my vision as far as developing a service that actually has a human touch involved. Uh, because compliance to, um, uh, to these new disability laws uh, it's not a fix-and-forget problem. It's more like security. Uh, websites and mobile applications will consistently go in and out of compliance um, quite frequently, actually, because there's so many different stakeholders involved. And even more so in, in the private sector, you have outside vendors, marketing companies, uh, all, all these different services that are being provided 
you know, to to the actual uh, business owner, and um, so it, it's very hard for them to keep a handle on accessibility, uh, even once they they know what all the problems are, they know what the laws are, they just can't seem to get an approval process that works properly or get somebody from marketing to provide them with the alt text in, in, a, in a manner that's sufficient so they can get their changes up to their websites immediately. And now uh, with the addition of a lot of third-party uh, widgets and websites that they use for employment, for e-commerce, for geolocation, uh, any number of things will uh, put their brand into exposure for a lawsuit. And so really, you know, although this is a technical problem and a technical barrier, in order to actually follow the intent of the American Disabilities Act, you really need a human touch and, and uh, what I call a virtual doorman to help and assist people when they do meet these problems when they're surfing on their websites. So uh, that's where we got the doorman name from. We're actually trying to open the door and open the door to opportunities for this great community. And really, I guess, uh, once I started working with the dis disabled community uh, at large, uh, they really became my heroes because uh, you know they've had to overcome so much just to get back involved in so in society, um, and I've seen this time and time and time again. And uh, when I've employed them and trained, given them the training that they need, uh, they they really do outperform everyone else that I've had experience with. So uh, <laughs> I've had a very long and good relationship with the community. Awesome! I'm glad to hear that, and and explain it definitely explains. Uh, where the name came from, which is a very unique name. And coming from a marketing background, I'm sure you guys can do some interestingly creative things for advertising that and uh, getting the word about the Dorman Project out. And I'm excited to see what happens with that. Now, Doug, I've got a couple of more questions for you. We've got two more questions. I'm going to kind of roll into one uh, and, and let you go ahead and answer that question all at once if, if you're comfortable with it. And that is, what's the biggest challenge you've faced with the Dorman Project and how have you overcome that challenge? Really, funding and timing were the biggest challenge I've known for quite some time that a service like this has been needed, but I've had to wait until there was something to motivate the private sector into sponsoring this type of service. So until there were laws getting ready to get put on the books and actual lawsuits being filed and lots of letters being sent out, um, there wasn't really any motivation for a private sector company to uh, say, hey, look, I need to address this, you know. Um, even today, uh, with a lot of these lawsuits, most companies are not reacting to accessibility until they get uh, a legal letter of demand or um, have some type of legal action taken against them. Uh, that's a lot because of education. Most people I find don't know anything uh, and have never considered uh, accessibility for a website. So one of the one of the things I do when I go in and I talk to uh, 
when I go talk to businesses is I I I go in with a presentation and one of the first things I do is I turn off my monitor and I challenge anybody to buy a pair of shoelaces on Amazon.com without using their monitor. And, uh, you know, I, of course, I have screen readers and everything, and uh, clearly they can't accomplish the task, so uh, it kind of brings everything to the forefront for them. So, uh, again, you know, if you don't really realize that there is a problem existing, uh, you would not be motivated to, you know, actually uh, do anything about this problem. So that that's one of the main things is getting the word out and educating, you know, businesses that, hey, there is this problem. And, you know, the second thing was is the, the barriers for companies to actually um, develop a framework, policies, and governance around uh, accessibility. Although people like to say, oh, well, that's inexpensive. Uh, it, it's really not, and it's it's actually pretty expensive, and it's getting more and more expensive, and it's a long-term uh, deal because you have to keep an eye on uh, maintenance for compliance. Um, so that's why we uh, de deliver this service through uh, the economies of scale. We can offer this service um, at about a third of cost of what you might pay to uh, remediate a site, much less put an entire uh, accessibility framework into place. So it sounds like you can save people a lot of money that they would have to spend if they had to go and retrofit their websites to make them more accessible by providing them feedback with the websites that they have now. Is that correct? Absolutely. It helps them prioritize uh, the issues. Uh, one of the first you know, challenges is what do I fix first? Obviously, if you have somebody telling them, hey, you know, this is exactly where I'm having a problem in the site, uh, that's kind of a leading indicator. Uh, plus, uh, believe it or not, sites uh, still maintain a heavy amount of pages that are never used and are out of date. And, um, you know, once they're under a lawsuit or a legal settlement, it's kind of like a rush to fix everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where if you have one of our, our services, you know, on your website, you can take the time to actually look over your site, do a good inventory, and start uh, removing content that's old or uh, not used. And uh, gradually, over time, bring your website into compliance over a natural period of time while you're updating pages or creating new pages versus trying to fix everything all at once. So it's uh, much, much less costly. Yeah, it definitely sounds that way. Now, uh, my last question before we get into the section that I call the top four, and those are the last four questions of this episode, is uh, where are you – so are you finding most of your guys' new customers for the compliance aspect of your business from feedback that people provide you when they call for assistance, or are you guys actively seeking websites by doing searching on your own? No, actually uh, – I've been lucky enough to been in this industry for quite some time, so um, I have companies constantly calling me uh, to help them address their legal problems. Uh, unfortunately, 
And so uh, as we uh, help them, we have uh, we have um, started a wait list and uh, for the Doorman project to get into production. And we have over uh, 100 websites and about 35 mobile applications, all national brands that um, you, you and your listeners would know uh, from all different uh, sectors, whether it be travel or uh, restaurants or um, any type of services. Um, so, so we have a pretty exclusive uh, list of customers that we're going to offer uh, the service to first, uh, and then uh, once we have the public portal out into production, uh, we think that with our partnerships with the American Federation of the Blind. Um, and different types of associations, letting their uh, communities know that the service is available to them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, absolutely free, uh, that they will start reporting problems and getting help um, while they're on the Internet. And uh, from there, we'll be able to uh, develop a, a deep list of uh, clients that... Uh, that we can help. Awesome. I'm excited to see that. And uh, we've got this top four questions that I ask every individual who is on an interview with me. And so I'm going to go ahead and get into these, Doug. And the primary focus of the top four questions is for you to provide some insight for people to start thinking about bringing their passions to light. It's time for the top four with today's passionate professional blind individuals on the Your Own Pay podcast. Don't forget to share with your most active social media network if you enjoy today's chat. This podcast is made possible thanks to the blind way forward. Live your life, do things you love, and discover new experiences. Blindwayforward.com. With that said, let's get back to it. So, Doug, the first question is, what is one app, online software as a service or service, or program that you couldn't live without? Uh, well, I'm still old school as far as that. I would imagine email is still the most important application for me. Um, I do texting and all, all these other new things, but... Uh, uh, I think the old fallback is definitely email. Um, aside from my phone, those are the, the two main things that I use every day. Hey, I completely get it. Email is, everyone says email is dying, at least in the marketing industry. And, and you need an email address to sign up for anything. So email is not dying. And I'm glad to hear that there's still people out there that don't just rely on Facebook messaging. So thanks for that, yeah. Doug. <laughs> Number two... <laughs> What is one piece of advice you would give to someone who is interested in following their passions? Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, if you decide to follow your passion, it's, it's not work. Uh, it's something that you love to do, so it's very easy to do. Um, but it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of patience. Um, you know, starting up a new service or a new business, a lot of it is about timing, as I found out. Uh, so be patient, um, keep at it, uh, use different collaborative services like LinkedIn to find uh, 
connections that will be uh, happy to help you along your way. Uh, so uh, that that would be my main uh, recommendations. Definitely, you know the old saying, "Patience is a virtue." So I definitely agree with that. Sometimes you just have to keep at it and be patient. Number three of the top four is how have books impacted your life, if at all? Oh, well, I'm a pretty avid reader of all types of material. Uh, it, it's one of the things that keeps me stress-free. Uh, so I love to read um, all different types of books. So it's uh, it's about work balance for me. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and that's what I'm finding is a lot of people love reading books, not just to learn, but just to relax and and step away from not necessarily reality, but step away from their everyday things that there are that they are doing. So I appreciate that, Doug. Number four, and the last question for today is: We were introduced to the iPhone ten years ago. What's one thing about technology you're excited to see happen in the next ten years? Um. So the infusion of nanotechnology and big data, I think, is going to be the next uh, the next big uh, utility as far as big data. I know big data is being used now for predictive analytics, uh, but the actual streams of information in healthcare uh, is going to be greatly affected by. Uh, uh, the nano market. So we're going to start seeing smart pills and uh, more intelligent wearables that will report um, uh, to your big data stream and they will be able to predict and uh, prevent um, healthcare events uh, much more effectively. So I think that's going to be a big, big trend here uh, within the next 10 years. Awesome, awesome. Exciting times, but also for some scary times, too. So I completely like that, Doug, and uh, thanks for your feedback. Before we go ahead and conclude this podcast episode, if someone is interested in learning more about you or your projects that you're involved in, do you have any contact information you'd like to share with people? Aside from, as a side note, uh, when this podcast episode airs, we will have a link to the Dorman Project or more information about the Dorman Project in the show notes, so check that. Uh, but aside from that, do you have any other contact information you'd like to give people? Absolutely. I have a profile up on LinkedIn. I, uh, I encourage uh, your audience to connect up with me. Um, we expect to actually be growing at exponential rates and... Um, you know, anybody who's interested in accessibility or interested in, um, you know, developing your own careers, we're going to have lots and lots of opportunities available all across the United States very soon. Awesome, awesome. So we'll link to Doug's LinkedIn profile in the show notes too. If you'd like to get a copy of those, hit up your most active social media, share this episode, and check out your podcast player for links to any reference material. Doug, thank you very much for joining me today. I hope you guys are having an amazing day listening, and remember to make today the best day of your life. Then do it again tomorrow. Thank you so much, Michael, and thanks to everybody for listening. 
You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.